We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Yes, 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 indeed. It is the noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. We are the broker team, and uh, we're going to broker information to you from a biblical perspective. So what we desire to do is that since it's a live broadcast, go ahead and call us right now at the number one la talks Write it down. Uh, let some folks know also that you're listening to this live presentation, a question and answer, open forum type format. You can call Eric right now. Eric is ready to receive your phone call. One triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. My name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton. I'll be introducing my teammates momentarily as I give you some more information on how you can participate in the broadcast. You may be asking, well, what, what are we going to ask questions on? I will tell you uh, life, everything's going on, the vicissitudes of life, uh, great things, bad things, in-between things in life are happening to you. If you happen to be reading your Bible, if you happen to be reading other things about various religions and you have a question uh, you don't have a complete answer for, or even if you have a complete answer you'd like to hear from our perspective, what does the Bible say about this? Well, that's what it means, a Bible information broker. We're brokering information about the Bible from the various um, issues of life and from uh, the v various things you may be going through in life. There is a biblical answer. If there is not one, we will tell you we don't either know it or we haven't discovered it yet, but yet we do determine that the Bible has enough for life and godliness for you to be able to live and know about truths. And please, that's what this broadcast is about. So give us a call right now at one triple eight. LA Talks, one 528 2557 Eric will receive your call. Just let them know what city you're calling from and give them your question, and we'll get those questions asked and answered. Now, we also have internet access whereby you can go on the internet on this live presentation. You can go on the internet and send us an email question. Well, the best way to do it, I would suggest, is simply go to our website, and you can navigate from there, either Facebook question or you can email us a question by contacting us right there. Just go to BibleInfoBrokers.com. So BibleInfoBrokers.com give you a chance to navigate through our website as the broadcast is going on and also give you an opportunity to call or email quite a few people. Let them know that, hey, you're listening to a live broadcast that answers Bible uh, uh, questions, or not just Bible questions, but questions about life from a biblical perspective. Again, uh, my uh, teammates I'll introduce right now, and we'll get into the broadcast. We want to take as many calls as we can. You can send us those email questions and Facebook questions. Without further ado, I'm going to put it to Hans Malloy over there. Brian Allen, how you doing, Hans? I don't know where that's coming from. but <laughs> Touching the mic. <laughs> I, so watch, I'll touch it more. Okay? Thanks, how about that? How you doing, okay. brother? <laughs> doing well. You know, Daryl, while you were talking uh, – talking what you were saying, what you were saying, and listening to the intro to the radio broadcast, I just thought of something. You know, you say uh, Bible Information Broker is a ministry of living by the word. 
how can you live by the word if you don't know the word? <laughs> well, that's an interesting You know point. what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. How can you live by the word if you don't know the word? Well, and, we're going to talk about that too, huh? Yeah, you know, and to know the word, you got to read the word, you have to study the word, you got to be in prayer. And by reading the word, you're going to get questions. And are you saying that the there's only one word? Yeah, there's only one word of God. Hmm. What if some people out there don't believe that? But look. Well, you know, then they can call in and, and we can talk, talk about, about it. it. Well, you know what? Exactly. We have a guy that uh, knows a few things about the word. There's a commercial that says we know a few things about that. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Some, I forget. The, uh, it's some kind of insurance commercial or something like that. I see it. It's kind of funny because yeah. they always go through things that they're insure. Yeah, but that that's not Craig. Craig is. is he's, not, he's not the guy on the, no, on the Craig, commercial? No, Craig's Mr. Spock. Oh, PCH. Logic. <laughs> Craig, without further ado, I'm on uh, <laughs> Professor Craig Hawkins. PCH, how you doing, brother? Are you guys dissing me? <laughs> Not that high. I'm giving you a compliment. <laughs> See, you're so used to the, 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 the compliment disses. <laughs> you know, you, sometimes you got to be careful uh, receiving them, my brother. You know, I love what you, you guys are just saying um, as far as <laughs> if you don't know what the Bible says, <laughs> you can't apply it, you can't live it. Uh, it was a great article, and I was teaching on the hermeneutics, the science and art of interpretation. And there are those who kind of downplay what's called the grammatical historical method. And but one of the authors' response was, "Look, how can you, how can you live? How can you apply? How can you act out what you don't know? And uh, and or if you have a wrong interpretation of the Bible, then you're going to wrongly apply something and think that God told you to do it from His Word when He didn't. So I just love what you're saying about you, you got to know the Bible, and Part of that includes you got to be able to interpret it properly to get what it's really saying, as opposed to what it's not saying. You know, Greg, you say that, um, and we talk about it all the time, but it seems like people want to uh, either under or over-spiritualize everything when it comes down to things of truth, things of, uh, you know, of a religious nature, they, that including the Bible. But yet they read the, the, the magazines they read, the books that they read, the novels that they read. They read it in a proper context with no hassle and no even second thought about it. But when we say it and use a fancy word like you use hermeneutics, it seems like we're talking uh, some kind of Greek or something to them. Well, it is a Greek word, but <laughs> but but you know it's so true. People have to know all kinds of stuff. We have all kinds of listeners right now who have to keep up on various aspects of technology or information relevant to what they do to their job. Things are often constantly changing at jobs, some more than others, and many people know exactly that they have to keep up in their field. Yet when they come to church, they just think somehow they're going to park their brain in the narthex and not have to think, and not have to reason, as, as indeed Isaiah 1.18 tells us we are to do with God, and to apply the Bible, and again, the science and art of interpretation, and using uh, the things that we have learned, and particularly, and it's not either or, yeah, right, Daryl, it's not this, uh, well, I'm led by the Spirit, or I use logic and reason and grammar and stuff like that in history. It's both and. God ordains means and ends. He ordains the ends, which is our sanctification and our holiness, and our uh, spending eternity with Him in fellowship. And he, he ordains that we use our brains. Indeed, what is the greatest command? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. Oops, there you go. And mm -hmm. strength. And exactly. that word mind is that very specific Greek word, dianoia, which refers to one's cognitive capacity, specifically what we call reasoning, discursive thinking, logic, rationality. That the Lord Jesus Christ himself tells us is what? The greatest command. 
Exactly. That we don't do it. Yeah, that, that we don't do it, exactly. Not often enough. You know, that's right. That's right. But I, I do appreciate what even Brian said because, again, that, that whole concept of living by the word, you can't live by nothing, something you don't know. And uh, you have to get aware. You have to be aware of it. All right, let me give the number out again a few times, folks. This is a live presentation. You can call in with your open, honest questions about uh, life, Bible questions, things like that. And we want to give you the biblical perspective. One triple eight la talks is the number one triple eight five two eight two five five seven or go to our website send us an email question or click over there facebook either one by going to bibleinfobrokers.com bibleinfobrokers.com now let's go to um the phone calls go ahead or, or, or daryl they can email us questions at bibleinfobrokers.com yeah when they, we had, yeah. reason why i do the website like that because yeah, that, be it's just easier to do yeah. Yeah, you know that way we can get them driving to that um that website See, Craig, I'm doing that little slide stuff. Brian, you have to explain that stuff to him live on radio. What, what can I say? Anyway, let's go through the first phone call it's tonight. It's social media. Absolutely. You know what? If they go to Facebook, they can like us too, right, Brian? I don't, I don't ask them to like <laughs> you. You're the one that, you're the one that asks You don't want to be liked, man? <laughs> you don't want to I don't need that. <laughs> I need to be liked. Anyway, let's go to Joy. Uh, uh, Joy, you're calling in. Uh, thank you for calling in. Yes. Thank you. Hi, gentlemen. How are you um, doing? I'm not doing so well, so I'm going to ask my question, and I'm going to hang up and listen and hopefully fall asleep. No offense to your program. Okay, but, um Anyway, I met someone on Friday out where I was sharing the Lord, and uh, he comes from a Christian family, uh, born and raised in Syria, not been here that long. And um, he was, as we got on this conversation, he said, well, he wasn't convinced about the resurrection. I did the best I could, and I gave him the case for Christ. But then he asked me... Um, uh, about the blood. Why do we need the blood? He said he always wondered, why do we need the blood? So I did the best I could, and I told him, I read him Leviticus 17.11, and God, uh, throughout the Old Testament, the blood. But I would like to hear, you know, I think it's a really good question, and I'd like to hear what you have to say, Professor. And Okay? Okay, Joy. We thank you very much, Joy. Okay. God Appreciate bless you. it. Feel Bye. better now. Feel better, please. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. PCH, the blood, I know as they say uh, it's efficacious, but efficacious for what? And then what, why Why that blood system? We would say without the shedding of blood, there is mm -hmm. no remission of right. sin. All those things, but, but, but why? I guess the question is why did God choose that system, PCH? Well, sure. But before I go there, and I thank Joy, and I hope you feel better. Um, the, yeah, the, the resurrection of Jesus is just vital. I have an outline. I need to do a... YouTube presentation and put that up, uh, post that up, or, or at least a video, that is. But exactly without the resurrection, there's no Christianity, and it is the heart of, of, of the gospel. And that's why books like The Historical Jesus by Gary Habermas are just absolutely vital. The Historical Jesus, or History and Christianity by John Warwick Montgomery, History and Christianity, um, but but the Harvard Master's book is so good because there's only so many possibilities, and you go through logically, you look at the evidence, and I would argue it isn't overwhelmingly in favor of the resurrection of Christ, but that needs to be gone through and, and looked at. And we have to distinguish, of course, what we like or what we can understand versus what is true. There's a number of things that I don't like. I can't just eat crazy and uh, all the junk food I want and still be healthy. I don't like that, but it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, there's things I don't know or quite understand. doesn't mean they're not true. 
if the world was limited to what I understood or could explain, we'd be, I'd be in big trouble. Uh, we all would. Um, and, but now, to your point, what is the point of the shedding of blood? Well, in one sense, it's, that, that, that it's not the shedding of blood. I, I mean, some people, I know people, some ultra-fundamentalists will make a, oh, no, no, it's got to be shedding of blood. Well, God's ordained it. What, that's an idiom for death. It's, it's not so much that his blood had to be shed, it's that he had to die for us. Now, indeed, there was ordained a, a way he was going to die, and that would included the beating with the cat of nine tails, so there was going to be shedding of blood, but it's not as if, if he didn't shed any blood, but still died for us, then it wouldn't be efficacious. So some people commit the literal fallacy. They don't understand idioms and metaphors and similes and so on and so forth. And so, in one sense, yes, Christ's blood had to be shed, but only because God had foreordained that that was the way he was going to die. But, again, the quintessential issue is his death for us. Why? Even clear back in the classic work, Cur Deus Homo, Why the God-Man, uh, Anselm, Bishop of Canterbury, uh, did a wonder, Archbishop of Canterbury, indeed, uh, did a wonderful job explaining the absolute importance of Jesus' death for us. Uh, God has told us the way to the sin is death, right? So the soul that sins, it shall die. Uh, And that means physically, uh, but spiritually. Instantaneously, Adam and Eve died spiritually, and then eventually they were buried physically, if you will, literally. So it is because of our sins, of our transgressions, of our disobedience, of our missing the mark, of our imperfections, that we have been alienated from God, and God's system is, is such that as absolute 100% justice, um, that indeed God is gracious and merciful, and he's shown that grace and mercy to us through his Son and our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who came to this earth literally to live a perfect life, we call that active obedience, and to allow himself to be killed, passive obedience. And by the way, they couldn't take Christ's life from him, he gave it up. Remember in the garden, they came to get him, and he asked, oh, who are you looking for? Right. Paraphrase. And they said, uh, Jesus, and they all, and he said, I am, and they all fall back. And Jesus makes a point, you're only taking me because I'm letting you. Uh, this, is, this is the will of the Godhead. This is his will to be taking and to die for us, and therefore he allowed it. So at any rate, it's vital, it's absolutely necessary that, that, that since God is not a, he's not a, harsh some taskmaster or some cruel you know, maker, but it is it is a retributive form of justice, and that is for a given uh, a given uh, sin transgression. There are, is a corresponding lex talionis. There is a corresponding punishment, and that punishment was the death, if you will, our death or Christ's death in our place, vicariously Latin, in the, you know, for on behalf of, and so that's why it was absolutely vital that Christ died. Romans 4 talks about that and the resurrection and why that's so important, how it is the seal. The resurrection is the imprimatur that Christ was who he claimed to be, uh, that he accomplished the purpose that he claimed he came here for, which was to atone for our sins. Uh, It's just vital. And so that's why. So it's not that God has a thing for blood, but that's typically how they killed. And in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, that was worked the kafar, uh, the covering, the seat of mercy, the atonement, those were to cover our sins. They never removed our sins, but mm-hmm. they cover, they delayed God's punishment that should be exacted upon us instantaneously, which is eternal death, physical and spiritual. The second death, separation from God for all eternity. And so the uh, sacrificial system was to cover, to atone, 
in this sense, to cover for our sins until the ultimate Lamb of God, as John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and Christ died for us. Now, let me say one more time, if it had been his will of the Holy Spirit and God the Father for him to have been strangled or shot or you know, or some other way, electrocuted, mm-hmm. injected with some type of uh, poison, he could have done it that way, and he still would have atoned for our sin. His death still would have counted on our behalf. It's not the shedding of blood. That just happens to be how it happened. Uh, but it is his death and his total, complete obedience that those two together is active and passive obedience that, that uh, make his sacrifice for us complete, of infinite value, and therefore we can be forgiven, and God can be totally righteous and just, that his, that, that his divine justice and holiness is satisfied, that justice, if you will, is paid in full, or tetelestai, John 19.30, and we can go free, not because God just let us off the hook, but because Christ paid the penalty in full, therefore we can be forgiven, and indeed those who trust in Jesus Christ. Indeed, ironically, as Parakletos, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, 1 John 2, 1 and 2 in the New Testament, one of his titles is the Parakletos, which is a legal term, which was a legal counselor, and we call them an attorney. In a Greek court of law, Christ is our attorney, and he declares us indeed not only not guilty, not only innocent, but righteous for those who trust in him as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, PCH, I, I really appreciate that answer. And, Joe, I hope that uh, helps you out with the, uh, the people that you're dealing with. It just makes me have one quick thought, PCH, and uh, please help me to know if I'm going too off the, uh, the subject matter. In Romans, they talk about us being a living sacrifice uh, as opposed to, um, um, you know, the sacrificial death that you have here. Is that like after the fact that we accepted this um, blood sacrifice or the death of Jesus as making us right or efficacious or, you know, in right standing with God. But yet in Romans we're told to be a living sacrifice. What, when was there ever a living sacrifice other than what our instructions are? Well, Christ was indeed the living sacrifice mm-hmm. until it came time for his death, but mm-hmm. he needed to die to atone, mm-hmm. to pay the penalty for our sins, whereas our sins have already been paid for. Now in Mormonism, they do have this doctrine that there are some sins for which the blood of Christ his death does not atone. And as a guy, was it Gary Gilmore, I believe, uh, anyways, an individual a number of years ago came to national attention, if not international, uh, because he wanted to die by the firing squad. Why? Because he believed he had to shed his blood for his own sin. So there he took that literal, but also, he, ironically, horribly, tragically, he believed that Christ's atonement could not, could not pay for the, his sin of murder and that he had to pay for it himself. Um, so, at any rate, we don't need to make a, a, a die to be saved. We are saved, so what do we do? We live. Our lives are to be devoted to Christ as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I want to read that, those two verses, because they're just so wonderful, Daryl, uh, that you're mentioning, Romans 12. So we are living sacrifice. God's not saying, go kill yourself or let yourself get killed right, per right. se. We're to live for him. By the way, it might be even be easier to die than it is to live. <laughs> yes. Uh, but... In your own strength. Well, that's what Paul says in Philippians. Yeah, Yeah, it tells us in light of all that he's already said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, Mm. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, mercy, Elias, manifest kindness, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed on the kenosis by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. By the way, interestingly, it's interesting that the, when it says this is your spiritual act of worship, the word for spirit, of course, is pneuma. The, word, the adjective for spiritual is pneumatikos. But it's interesting, that's not the word actually here. The word actually is logikos, which is the adjective of logical, mm. from logos. And I would argue the reason it means this is because given all that God has done for us, what is reasonable, what is logical, mm-hmm. what is rational, is to live for him a living sacrifice. And that is indeed spiritual. As a, since, as a baby would go for the mom's breast, so it's the word of God. We would go for it naturally if indeed we're uh, regenerated. Well, well, what I find interesting, too, uh, I find the word sacrifice interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, Jesus knew that people would be opposed to what he is all about. And so if we live for Christ, it's going to be a sacrifice on our part because the world is against us. You cannot grow. I mean, nothing can grow unless it dies, you know, to itself. It does. Well, all these it, different it things. Under, it doesn't understand mm-hmm. the what, world, what Christian yeah. life is all about. They think that they are going to live a certain way at best until they can earn or merit salvation. Indeed, I would argue what's even more fascinating about this passage, or certainly as much, is the normal word is for worship is, think of our English word, to prostrate. Proskuneo is to prostrate oneself. That's the standard word for worship. But actually, the word here is not proskuneo. It's latreo, or from latria, verb and noun respectively, which is the idea of divine service. It was originally used in pagan temples of someone who was like what we'd call a janitor. Mm. And they rendered service, it came to be, they rendered worship by what? By cleaning, by sweeping, dusting. And so what's the point? We worship God, not just in quote-unquote singing or prostrating ourselves, that's one way to do it, but by serving God by our everyday life, by our work by what we do, all the things we do, whether it's cleaning toilets or, or you know, what have you, or flying to the moon or something, and a rocket, or what have you, being an astronaut. If it's done with the motive to, for God's glory and in service to Him, it is worship. And it's, again, that's what's so radical to me, this word, these two words, latreo or latria, as opposed to proskuneo or proskuke. Telling you that's some that's some deep stuff there, folks, to consider about everything that you do. Um, you know, uh, it may look like it is for the Lord, but the Lord is going to test it, and that's what the loss we were talking about last week. I believe that's what the loss is going to happen in heaven for those that are saved because the their the works that they did while in Christ it's going to get burnt up because maybe the motivation was not uh, properly there, or the motive was not properly there. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Living by the Word Ministries presentation of Bible Information Brokers. Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins. My name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton. We have Brother Eric receiving your phone call. We have some open lines. Go ahead and call right now. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Take an opportunity to call right now. Brian, you about to tell them how to call and why to call, when to call? No, I, one of the things. One of the things is that um, <laughs> you know sometimes people don't call because they think the lines are full and the lines are busy. Right, right. Well. And I don't know what it is. Maybe they have a a show that they watch at 10 o'clock because after 10 o'clock, <laughs> everyone just starts jumping on the lines and we have to turn callers away. And that's not a good thing. So if you have a question, uh, you know, this show goes as you as you call in. This is what we do. Uh, we have some open lines. And like I say every week, don't wait till the end of the show to call. 
The calls, the lines are open now. They are available. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Definitely take advantage of it now. You will get uh, you will get your questions answered right now. Let me give you that number again. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Or if they want to email us a question, they can go to our website. Yeah, they can go to Bibleinfobrokers.com, Bibleinfobrokers.com. Click on the link that says uh, questions and then just type it in right then and there and um, uh, we'll get you on. Very good. I see Matthew have already done that, so we're going to go to Matthew in North Hollywood. Matthew, thanks for calling in. Hey, how are you guys? Doing well, and hey, yourself, Matthew. sir? Good, good. Uh, my question is, is um, somebody from my family said that the original church is the Catholic Church, and that any other church that has come and come after is not the original church. And I know that there are things written, like encyclopedia from the Catholic Church, on different things about the subject. And I, I just wonder what your opinion is, because I told my relative that the original church is the one with the disciples and the followers of Christ, which later on in history. In the book of Acts, they became Christian, but he argues with me and says that it's Catholicism at the first church. And any church after, like, for me, like, I was, you know, I'm a Christian, Pentecostal, and, and he argues with me about those things. What is your guys' theory on that? Professor, first of all, I know you're going you're gonna to put the hammer down about Catholic and Roman Catholic, so take it away. <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, these misusing terms... He's Roman Catholic. We're Catholic. Catholic means universal and orthodox. And the early church believed what made one Catholic, and they use the term like that, was because they held the apostolic doctrine. So if you read books like um, uh, early Christian doctrines or what have you, uh, you, you find out that, again, it's apostolic doctrine. You look at someone like Irenaeus, an early leader in the church, who appeared might have been indeed discipled by John through Papias and a guy named Polycarp, who were students of John, taught Irenaeus, who came bishop of modern-day Léon, France. And so at any rate, he talks about apostolic doctrine. And so, uh, first of all, ask, you need to ask him, there's a number of works I can recommend to you, such as the Church of Rome at the Bar of History, um, as, a, as a very good book. But, but just a couple things quickly. Um, ask them, really, so where in the early church did they believe in papal infallibility? Where is that taught? Where did they believe in the Immaculate Conception of Mary? Where, where does it teach that in the Bible? And so you're going to find there's a whole host of things they believe that are not found in Scripture. Um, and then they'll, they, typically the answer will be, well, yeah, we know, because it, well, we uh, put tradition on par with Scripture. But that's not the same thing. That's a different argument. So they have a lot of claims that, with all due respect, are not in the early church. They don't exist. Purgatory. Rome as, Rome as a major power really becomes really more so in the 4th, 5th, and particularly the 6th century. Um, Rome was well-known and respected uh, only because uh, Peter was there and apparently died there, and Paul died there. Um, so it had some clout. But we see even, for example, the first ecumenical council, the Council of Nicaea in 325, even they will acknowledge that's the first of what they would say are seven ecumenical councils. Rome doesn't get any special status. They don't get 15 votes or two or three votes or what have you. And indeed, by the way, by that time, there were five major what are called papal sees. 
uh, think of those as regions or jurisdictions of the church, if you will. And those would include, in any order, but Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, which is in northern uh, Africa, and Constantinople, or Byzant- old Byzantium. So, and, and then Rome. There were five, and they all exercised power and for uh, authority, if you will, uh, over those jurisdictions. Um, but here's the point, and we can even debate if it really that's the biblical concept. But there's not, even if you're going to argue that, though, there's five, not one, and Rome doesn't get any special accord. They don't like, oh, you are over all of us. Read the Council of Nicaea, the notes that are, that are uh, the records of it that are available. Uh, you don't find this. So people say stuff like that who just really don't know better. So really, so again, it's Roman Catholic. At best, you'd be one of five papal sees, and that's really four, five, six hundreds. Go to the earlier church, it's apostolic doctrine. Who has what accords with what the Word of God teaches? That's the issue. So early Christian doctrines, for example, by J.N.D. Kelly, Early Christian Doctrines is a phenomenal book by J.N.D. Kelly. Any good book on church history, uh, maybe one you, you might want to look at sometime, maybe not, that's okay. Uh, but uh, a book I think is really good is uh, the book on heresies by Harold O.J. Brown. Heresies, I'm just giving you the abbreviated title, it's like 20 words or whatever, not quite, but close. <laughs> um, but, so, but the reason it's so important is because, well, it's not just talk about heresy. You have to talk about heresy only in light of orthodoxy, and he deals with these type of claims and others. And there's just they don't they don't hold water. I hope that's and helpful to you, Matthew. Also, uh, he mentioned that I should baptize my child, but I told him that we have a different way of thinking about that. We believe that as a child grows and he understands what baptism is. That's when I want to baptize them. But they, they have, you know, they have their theory of baptizing a child at a younger age. And I told them I don't agree with that. I want my son to understand. Right. Well, there are, yeah, there are, pro- that's a, but this is a much second, uh, this is a different issue. Um, minor, there minor are issue. Protestants, there are Protestants who believe in infant baptism, pedo-baptism. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the Reformed, uh, for example, and Lutherans, and there's others. Uh, so, but that, this is an in-house discussion debate. You would hold to what's called believer's baptism. Uh, that was the view of the Anabaptists, the rebaptizers. That's literally what that means. And in the Reformation, people like uh, Zwingli and uh, Erg Zwingli and Knox and some others, I should say. Uh, at any rate, so so that's a that's a that's a different matter. But you don't want to put that matter on, on par with this other one. Where's what? What's one's authority? And so that's where it's really invaluable. Uh, to to have some background and know church history, and uh, again, uh, such as early Christian doctrines by J.N.D. Kelly, or uh, minimally the book by on heresies by Harold O.J. Brown, and to know the history, so when people make claims like this, you can say, well, look, that the evidence doesn't support that. That's not the facts, and that's what you've been told. You bought this idea. You're the only church. Again, so again. So showing the early church, anybody believed in papal infallibility and all these other doctrines that are unique to them. Indeed, by the way, even the Eastern Orthodoxy, who would, would be very compatible with them on a number of issues, split with them in 1054, right, over a number of key issues. So, uh, sorry, I'm not trying to knock Roman Catholics, but it, it, ain't, it ain't all that. Uh, you can't believe everything you read or hear, including what we say. We say, look, test this, folks. Take your time. Look into this. See if what we're saying is true. Examine the historical records and the evidence, and uh, and I, I say it's really invaluable. Not that they're scripture, but read some of the early church fathers. Read Irenaeus, for example, 
on on um, against heresies is, is is the abbreviated title of his work as well against heresies and it's a fantastic work talking about orthodoxy and what it means to ha- to be a christian to have authority in the church he was responding mainly to what are called gnostics who by the way ironically were apparently the first ones to coin this term apostolic succession which uh, ironically rome is very big on thinking saying that they alone have this apostolic succession from peter the key huh? is not the, the key is not the hand that touches the hand the key is having the doctrine mm. that the apostles taught that is the issue pay close attention to thy life and didaskalia the doctrine and doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers that's what paul says to his protege timothy in first timothy 4 Matthew, I hope that's helpful to you, my brother. Thank you, thank you. So very welcome. Uh, PCH, was that uh, apostolic um, uh, passing down, as it were, was that coming from Peter and what they said, uh, what uh, they're saying that Christ said to Peter, that they, um, I would give you the keys and, the, and all that type of stuff? Well, that's there, but also in John 20, whoever mm-hmm. sins you forgive, they are forgiven, right. already forgiven. Right, right. Whoever sins you retain, they are already retained. That is, you, were, you, you don't have this divine power of, by fiat, you know, to say these things, but we speak on behalf of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, Rome would claim to have the keys through Peter, uh, but we would dispute that and say, look, Peter was certainly an apostle, uh, but Jesus says, thou art Peter, Petros, and upon this Petra. Yes. Not, not little rock, Peter, but mm-hmm. Petros, but Petra, massive stone. Think of half stone. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. Um, and so it's Peter's confession. There, I would argue apostolic doctrine not just Peter, but it's indeed upon all the apostles. Ephesians 2.20, mm-hmm. right? The foundation uh, that no other man can build but what that which has been given of the apostles and prophets and Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Right, when, when he was saying upon this rock, this rock was Jesus. That's what he was talking about. Well, yeah, but I would, I would argue Jesus, uh, yeah, his confession of who Jesus is, thou art the Christ. Christos in Greek, you are the Christ. Uh, so yeah, you know, in, even in the apostle thing, I was just reading in the, through this chronological reading I'm doing about how Paul was saying it took him three years after he was taught by Christ Himself before he even met the apostles, and then 14 more years passed. I was going like, you know, we skip over that stuff sometimes and understand that uh, Paul was never as an apostle himself. He recognized himself as an apostle, and then even though people may have uh, wanted to not recognize him as that, uh, Paul understood exactly what his authority was and by whom it was given. And I love, I love that stuff. When the Bible well, is just uh, well, ex- explicitly clear. Well, sure, and I, and I, uh, I've been saying this a lot lately. I've said it for years, actually, but in light of the 500th anniversary yes. of, of the Reformation, I'm a Protestant, mm-hmm. and what that means is I'm someone who believes in the authority of Scripture and sola scriptura that. It's the ultimate authority, and tradition, reason, experience, what have you, all have to bend the knee at that, at the Word of God. Rome didn't give us the Scripture. Right. Uh, the Church recognized the Scripture. The Holy Spirit gave it to us. Yeah, he wrote it. It was written through the apostles or their associates. Um, but we don't get brownie points for recognizing Scripture. Uh, we didn't make it Scripture. It was Scripture, and the Church simply recognizes it because of the Spirit of God who lives in them. Otherwise, you know, Luther made a great point. So that's like saying John the Baptist is greater than Jesus because he recognized who he was. That doesn't make him greater. It's the Spirit of God in him who recognizes Jesus. And and so at any rate, um, uh, 
we need to restate that. Hey, by the way, I want to correct myself. I don't know how many times I've done this before. Uh, at least I caught myself. I, earlier, I stand by what I said about the word in Romans 12 for worship, latria, the noun, and latreo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said proskuneo is the verb, and that's right. But then I said prosuke, and I mix. Prosuke is prayer. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, what am I doing? I need to. Prosuke is prayer. But I always, for some reason in my mind, when I'm talking about the noun for worship, I switch from proskuneo to prosuke. Prosuke is to is prayer, pros eukamai is to pray. So, sorry, I had to do that just because somebody goes, hey, Hawkins, you messed up the words. No, there. I think Brian and I was just getting ready to say something about that because okay, we have it to the Greek. You, you know. guys are just ready to bust. But, you know, but Brian, Brian, calm down, B. He just sent me a note. Okay, no, that's cool. Darrow's just on drugs or something. I don't know what he's talking about. Spirit of God, one triple eight LA talks. Hey, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Brian, you trying to say something? You know, Craig uh, William Webster uh, has some really good books on Roman Catholicism, and you know the one we were just talking about, Peter, uh, is one that I got. And I really like it. Uh, the Matthew sixteen controversy, Peter and the Rock. Phenomenal. Yeah, he does <laughs> a great, great work. But he has he has like uh, I got like three or four of his books that are really, really good, and he just uh, does a great job dealing with it with that, with that subject. What's the name of the guy? Yeah, William Arthur? Webster. William and he Webster. has a website, ChristianTruth.com. Is that right, Brian? Uh, I can check, but I believe that's it. Right, and so that's what I was referring to to Matthew. That he has a number of works, and much of his stuff is actually online for free. You can download it or just read it, and he deals with these issues about, you know, what did the early church believe, and what about this idea that there's Roman Catholicism before everybody else? I uh, guess, again, uh, there's uh, many sectors of the church, and Rome was one center because of of it being important, because of being the capital city of the Roman Empire. Mm Uh, but the, the, again, I mentioned the four others that are, are, are vital, or were powerhouses, were again any, any order: Jerusalem, Antioch, Byzantium slash Constantinople, and Alexandria, North Africa. Right, where we're gotta, you got to do your homework. There you go. There's history. Because that's where we're, what that's when we were first called Christians in Antioch, right? That's where the uh, the word, the term Christianity came from. And that is the correct website, Craig. Yeah, ChristianTruth.com. If you want to read a lot of stuff dealing with example, Roman Catholicism, I highly recommend William Webster's material and his site. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you listen to Living by the Word Ministries, presentation, Bible Information Brokers. Look, we have some open lines. Please call one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven one triple eight five two eight two five five seven or go to our website, Bible Info Brokers, and send us an email by simply clicking contact us or navigate your way through our website there as you're learning more about us if you don't know about us. And also you can send a question by that method also. We receive email questions, Facebook questions, telephone calls. So call Eric. He's sitting there waiting. Say, why did I call him? Is it something Eric said to you? Well, call back one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Listen, Brian and Craig, before we go further and take the calls, uh, I see you, Edward. We're going to get to your call in a second and some email questions. I just want the people know that we look. We have bills we need to take care of and the costs associated with this ministry. None of it is salaries for Craig, Brian, myself, Eric, or anybody. But we want you to have an opportunity. A privilege, I would call it, to be able to invest in the kingdom of God. We believe that we're doing God's work. You can check us out. You make that determination. If you can partner with us, we would love to have that uh, participation from a financial aspect. 
please, uh, I would say, not only pray for us continually, but also prayerfully consider what part of God's money, what you are a steward of. It ain't yours if you're a believer. It's not yours. Uh, excuse the language, but you got the message. The money ain't yours, as we say back in New Orleans. But listen, you can participate in giving by simply going to our website and give at BibleInforBrokers.com. BibleInforBrokers.com, very easy way to give recurringly, or you can give a one-time gift. Listen, folks, in the United States of America, before they was changing all these tax laws and everything, you can give up to 50% of your income and get a deduction. Some of you that's in business going to give money. You want to do quarterly giving so you can get that deduction, pay less taxes. For those of you who are, um, who are in a position to give like that, please consider it. It's a great way to give and uh, pay less taxes and give money towards the kingdom. It's just wise giving. Also, you can send the money by way of uh, what we call snail mail to United States Post Office. Brian, I think what stamps cost about $20 to $25 a piece. Now, I don't know what stamps cost, but you can give by way of the method of simply writing on a check, LBTW slash BIB, and mail it to P.O. Box for I'm sorry, not four, but 90477. That's 90477 in Los Angeles. The zip code is 90009. Once again, write the checkout money order out to LBTW slash BIB and simply send it to P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles at the zip code of 90009. Let's get back to the phone calls. Gentlemen, we want to take as many as we can. Brian, I see you bring up those emails as well. Folks, take an opportunity to call in one la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Let's go to Edward West Covina. Edward, thanks for holding on and calling in. Okay, uh, my question is um, it's a it's a Bible question. It's out of Matthew ten and verse twenty three, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, "When when they persecute you, um, flee from one town to the next. For truly, I say to you." You would not have gone through all the towns in Israel before the Son of Man comes. And um, just my question is, like, how do you interpret that? No, um, I mean, we, we know that Jesus hasn't came back in the rapture. And, um, you know, I, I believe he has to come first in the rapture before he comes in the final um, uh, uh, second appearing when he comes with, with, with the saints. So how do we interpret that? In regard, you just are you strictly speaking in regards of the eschatology, the, the latter times? Or are you just asking specifically what does that verse mean in the context of which it was written? And what what does that verse mean in the context? Okay, very well. PCH. Yeah, and and there's two major interpretations. I don't hold the former one, but I understand why. Some would say, well, the disciples never finished doing it. They didn't go to every place, and so Christ doesn't come back. The gospel's not been preached all the world, so Christ has not come back. But my understanding of it, and many scholars hold the view that basically what Jesus is referring to is that often he, he would send them ahead of him, and then he would come. He would come behind them. So that this is really, this is really referring to either it's Christ coming to that town after they've been through it, and or the Matthew 16 and Christ the the, the coming of his appearing uh, of the, of his epiphany I mean uh, excuse me of his glory, um, so that's kind of the g g standard understanding is really the, it's really almost three views but it's certainly two minimally is either it's the, they hadn't gone through all of Jerusalem we still have not gone through all of Jerusalem or the world has not all heard it number one uh, but number two is basically that it's referring to Christ following them 
and or specifically uh, him showing his glory in Matthew 16, so it's already been fulfilled. Um, that that that's how many would would deal with with address that, Edward. Edward, I hope that's it. Go ahead, Go ahead yeah. Edward. Um, so I guess like a follow up question would be like, how do scholars come up with that reasoning for to interpret that 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 part right there? Like those because things, that you always have to ask, what does something mean to the person I'm talking to at that time? Uh, it's like it's, it's like the let me give you an example. It's like when Christ says he'll be in there three days and three nights. As Jonah was in the belly of the, you know, the great fish, so Jesus will be in the earth three days and three nights. And people say, well, look, it's not three days or three nights. It's not three days. Well, it's not by our reckoning of time, but it is reckoning three days by Jewish time. So there is the issue of what does it mean to us, and what did it mean to a listener at that time? How would they have understood this? And so that's the context of this, is Jesus is making a statement. And, and by the way, think of this. Uh, let me just say it negatively. If it wasn't true, they would have all said, take a hike, man. <laughs> this didn't happen. You've not come back. Why would I be doing this? But nobody turns back. Well, Judas hangs himself. Judas uh, puts himself out the end of a tree and apparently falls off a cliff. The branch breaks. Um, but that's Judas. But none of the other ones go, wow, this is a ruse. This is a farce, man. He's, he has not come back. I'm out of here. It's, that's how right. they understood it. So what? So it's, it is the reasonable interpretation of the passage. It's how they would have understood it. And when you consult, well, you could, there's another way to do this. There are times when many what we call church fathers in the early church comment on a passage, and that's how they understood this passage. And the proof of the ultimately the proof of the pudding is they didn't go, wow, he was a fake. He didn't come back. He's wrong. We're out of here. They understood that to be the case. Edward, I hope that's helpful right. to you, my brother. Appreciate your call. Okay, thank you. God bless. Hey, by the way, Edward, can I say this? Oh, you know, I just cut him off, but go ahead, Greg. Well, hopefully still he's, still, he's still listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really grappling with the Bible difficulty is what we're saying. And I would recommend two books. I've got dozens of books on Bible difficulties, but two of my favorites, two of I think all-time best, uh, would be Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible by John Haley. Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible, John Haley. Or Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties, Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties by Gleason Archer. Uh, I'm willing to bet someone like you, the way you're thinking, and 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 I, I want to commend your thinking to the passage, would really enjoy one or both of those books, Edward. Really appreciate that, PCH. Uh, always recommending those resources. And folks, you can go to our, our website, and um, actually some of the resources that Craig may be mentioning may be listed on there as a reminder. Uh, and if you, uh, we have archive shows also that you can uh, pay attention to, even this one will be up, uh, I believe, in maybe by Wednesday or so of the upcoming week. But again, you're listening to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. You can call in with your open, honest question. We want to give you the biblical perspective because Bible Information Brokers have information from a biblical perspective. One triple eight LA Talks is the number. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We have a good friend Dan. We're going to bring on. We're going to bring Dan on the other side of the break, Craig. I want to talk about this gospel message, this Jesus, this blood, this all these things we were talking about. People may be listening who are not believers out there. People may be listening or have friends and family and neighbors like like we all do who are who are not believers in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there's a multiplicity of religions out there. What gives us the temerity to say that we are the only true religions, just like we are the call 
about the Catholic Church saying they're the only true church. So are we doing the same thing that the Roman Catholics are doing, Craig, by suggesting that we're the only way or the way we believe is the only way to salvation to get to heaven, as it were? Well, that's, those are great questions, Daryl, and I want to be very clear here. We're not just saying, yeah, because we're smarter, we're better. Everybody always thinks everything is better. You know, your baseball team, your football team, your whatever it is you're into. Um, and, and But this is not this. We're not saying we're smarter, better, brighter than anybody. It's not true. It's by the grace of God. But we're saying the facts support what we're saying. I, I wish I could say all paths lead to God, even atheism, agnosticism, mm-hmm. but they don't. Uh, Jesus himself says this. Uh, he's the one who said, not, I didn't say it. He said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then Peter follows it up, for example, with neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given among heaven, under heaven whereby we must be, just, be justified. Uh, it is through the Lord Jesus Christ and through him alone. And so you can you know, examine all your gurus and swamis and uh, what have you, and so-called religious leaders, life coaches, what have you. Which one rose from the dead? And you say, wow, rose from the dead, are you kidding me? Hey, check out the evidence. Look at the evidence. Look at a book like The Historical Jesus and check out uh, the arguments. Again, Habermas does a phenomenal job. And Gary Habermas in The Historical Jesus, one of many books I'd recommend to, to our listeners. But check out the claims. And here's what I know. You know as being a human that there's something missing. There's something wrong. And I want to tell you what that is, and that is that you are separated from God. You are alienated from the one holy, righteous, and true God, your maker. And the only way to be right with God, to have a relationship with God, which is essential for uh, to spend eternity with him, is by accepting his work for you. We've been alienated. We all failed. We're all imperfect. God's standard is absolute perfection. But he's done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus Christ paid the penalty himself for our sins. You'll find that, for example, in John 19.30. If you'll trust in Christ and not try to pull yourself by your, up by your own bootstraps or think if you do enough uh, penance or, you know, I was, remember one time I was in Nepal and it was in Kathmandu and there actually a scene where they actually shot uh, one of the Marvel Comics movie. There's a famous stupa there, a Buddhist temple, if you will. And these monks were going around it. They would uh, rise up, clasp their hands together, and then they would fall on the ground, and then they would crawl, and then they'd get up and do it and repeat it over and over again. What are they doing that for? That's penance. That's a form of meditation. Uh, They're trying to work off negative karma. They're trying to earn or merit, in this case, nirvana, if you will. Uh, I will use the word salvation, but they might say, well, we we don't have the concept of salvation. They actually do, but at any rate, to the point. You can't do this yourself. You can't pay the price. The price is infinite, infinitely so. You cannot pay that. Trust in Christ. Believe on him. And again, check this out. Not because we said it. Maybe you say, oh, I think you guys are full of it. Then good, check it out and prove us wrong. One book. Can I recommend one book to you? The Historical Jesus. Mm. The Historical Jesus by Gary Habermas. H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S. Check it out. Check out the evidence. And I would argue that if you'll do that, you will become convinced, as we did, sometimes reluctantly, <laughs> but we're convinced of the truthfulness of the claims of Jesus, of Christianity, not because we're so good, because we're not, we know it, we admit it, but because Christ is so good, and he is the Savior of the world, not just of those who are from a little Western world or mindset, but from those, for the whole world, Christ is the one and only Savior 
the wise person looks into this and then acknowledges them as their personal Lord and Savior. That's our prayer for you. Amen and amen. It's, it's, Brian and Craig is just too serious not to uh, consider that. Uh, we uh, were talking before the radio broadcast about the brevity of life, uh, even though um, some folks may, you know, be even in their 80s, as, as my parents have passed away. And Craig, you know, your parents, uh, father's in the 80s and things like that. And it's a lot of years, but in light of eternity, Brian, what is it? The eternity is just a whole long time, and it's definitely not the thing you want to be rut with. You know, it's too long to be wrong. And, and, you know, again, I don't want to say that just like as a flippant statement. You think about it, eternity. What is eternity? Okay, well, when this life ends, you're going to be in eternity. So, uh, you know, I hope you take it serious insofar as if uh, those that think that's nothing. Here, here's the thing. If if we just go into oblivion, I mean, there's nothing out there. And you know what? I have nothing to lose, nothing at all to lose. <laughs> But what if I'm right and you're wrong? What if there is a crisis eternity? What if there's uh, eternal torment because you were too pig-headed or too stubborn or whatnot, not even to look at the evidence? And so I, I would say, uh, by all means, it's okay for you to not fully understand or, or really disbelieve, okay? But here you're hearing something, okay? Uh, you're, you're not without an excuse. Um, you know, if you you know if you're listening to this radio broadcast, and um, you're hearing us talk about the things we're talking about, salvation, Jesus Christ, and uh, and and you don't you know you don't say anything about it. You know, shame on you. I mean, at least at least you know have questions, ask about it. Okay, call us. We'll talk to you about it. One triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Really appreciate it, Brian. Go ahead, Grant. If I could say quickly, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, by the way, eternity. The clock is already ticking. It's already started. <laughs> yes. But my dad actually in January will hit ninety. Wow! 90. Wow! You know, and I just go, yeah. Exactly. He qualifies being my group. <laughs> but 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 you know what? When you talk to him and go, hey, uh, is it, you've been around forever? And he goes, man, life has gone so fast. Mm. So. He's, he's about to turn 90, but he wow. would tell you life has gone by just a, almost, it seems like now, a blink of, a blink of an eye. Well, my friend, it will be that quickly before you will literally stand before the presence of God. I hope you're ready and in Christ when you do that. I know, I know we're coming up to a break, but every time I see water boiling, I think of the passage, you know, life is a vapor. You see that the, the steam come up mm -hmm. and it's gone. Exactly. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the seriousness of life. And listen, I just want you to know that one thing that was coming to my mind when you, you kept saying Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, maybe Jesus' last name is Christ, but no, that Christ is so so essential to the name Jesus, which is Jesus the Messiah. Darrell, we're yeah. coming up to a break. Let's see if we can get these phone lines lit up while we're on our break. We got to do that? Hello. Yes. Okay, well, let me give the number again. one 888 And you don't want to talk about the Messiah no more? Well, we're going to a break. Well, let's do it on the other side of the break. So, Dan, hold on there, brother. We're going to catch you on the other side. But, ladies and gentlemen, call in at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven, Or go to our website and send email questions by Bible Information Brokers and click Contact Us and send us a question. But we'll be back after these messages. <laughs> 